You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the PharmD Money Podcast, where certified financial planner Derek Delaney brings financial education and observation to help pharmacists navigate their most important financial questions. Welcome in PharmD Nation to episode number 61 of the PharmD Money Podcast. I am your host, Derek Delaney. Thank you all for joining me today. One of the biggest financial decisions a family will make in their lifetime is trying to figure out how to pay for their kids' college education. There are a lot of parents out there who have experienced the burden and the stress of student loans, and they don't want to pass that on to their kids, especially if they can afford not to have to do that. But there are some instances that regardless of how well off you are, there are still colleges out there that you're just not going to be able to afford. And sending your child to an institution like that is probably not the best way forward for them from a financial aspect if they are going to be strapped with those suffocating student loan payments after they graduate, regardless of what degree they get. So in this podcast episode, we're going to talk about the proper way families should go about planning for college in order to give them and their kids the best shot of success after college is done from a financial aspect. So step number one is expected family contribution, filling out that FAFSA form and getting a really good idea of what the government thinks you would or thinks you can afford to pay when it comes to your kids' college education. So a lot of people go, well, I don't even want to deal with filling out the FAFSA. It's a long form. There's a lot of questions. It takes up a lot of my time. I don't want the hassle because I'm pretty well off. I make a good amount of money. I'm not going to get any student aid. And you could be correct. The amount of money you make could exclude you from receiving any sort of student aid or financial aid at all. And your expected family contribution could be more in a lot of instances than the actual cost of your child attending that college or university in any given year. However, I still think it's beneficial to fill out the FAFSA form and get an idea of what your expected family contribution is for two important reasons. One is you just don't know what your expected family contribution is going to be and the cost of colleges have risen so dramatically over the last decade that your son or daughter may end up choosing or preferring to go to a school That is actually more than what your expected family family contribution is, which means there could be opportunity for some sort of financial aid in there. And the other thing is when a lot of kids end up going to school, they're forced to take out student loans in order to pay for the remainder of their college. And in order to get those uh, Stafford federal student loans, those are considered aid. So essentially you have to fill out a FAFSA form in order to qualify to get that type of loan opportunity available to your students. So filling out the FAFSA form, and there are a number of other different forms or profiles you may have to fill out depending on what institution you decide you want to go to, but getting that done and getting an idea of what either the university thinks you can afford to pay or what the federal government thinks you can afford to pay is the first step. The second is actually determining how much you can afford to pay when it comes to college. How much can you pay out of pocket every single year or over the course of four years when it comes to your kids' college education? And that is essentially like going through a pre-approval process. So you figure out what money do you have set aside right now? 
What money can you anticipate coming in? What does that look like every single year? And what does that look like over the course of four years? And a lot of the common areas you could look at are what are the parents willing to pay every single year? What have they already saved in vehicles like 529 accounts and Roth IRAs? And what amounts do we expect to be in those vehicles when it comes time for that child to go to college? What do we expect the child to pay for their own college education? Will they be working part-time while they're in college to be able to put towards something like tuition? What assets do the children already have saved in their name that they're going to use? What additional funding sources could come from places like grandpa and grandma? And you take all of those different options that you could tap into from a funding standpoint for college and you total them all up and that is essentially what you're pre-approved for for college. So that number could be fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars depending on how aggressive you want and that is your baseline for what you want to use as far as determining what you can actually afford to pay when it comes time to looking at the total cost of college over the course of four years. So you fill out your expected, you fill out your FAFSA, you figure out what your expected family contribution is, you figure out how much you can actually afford when it comes to paying for college. Basically, it's your pre-approval process. Then the next step is to find schools that will be most generous with financial aid. So let's just say you want to go to a school or your child wants to go to a school that is $50,000 a year and you fill out your FAFSA and your expected family contributions, $30,000. So that means there's $20,000 left over that you could potentially cover with some sort of aid. Now, there are two kinds of financial aid. There's merit aid, and then there's need aid. If you have a big expected family contribution, chances are that you're not going to receive any sort of need aid because those go to the most financially needy students. And it's really interesting because if you go to some big private Ivy League schools, they will essentially cover 100% of what your need aid is, but they will offer no additional scholarships on top of that, which means that if you're pretty financially well off and your expected family contribution is pretty high, chances are going to those Ivy League schools, you're going to have to pay full price, which for a lot of middle-class families is completely out of the question. So that goes to, well, what other opportunities do you have in finding good schools that will uh, that will award you either need-based aid or merit aid? And the answer is it really depends on each institution. Every college is like a snowflake where they are competing for kids to come to their school against other universities that are similar to them. And they will provide more merit aid or needs-based aid to your children if they feel it gives you a better chance of picking their school over another. So, just because you see the cost of college, the sticker price of attending that university, chances are there's a high probability that that's not actually the price you're going to pay to attend that university. And if your student fits the profile of the type of student they want, and they check off a lot of the boxes that the university is looking to check off when it comes to students in their university, you could potentially get a lot of merit aid and a lot of needs-based aid if you're needy enough as a way to entice you to attend their university and not go somewhere else. So that is a big process and that takes a lot of due diligence and research and background checks on how universities offer their aid and what type of aid they offer and the probability of you receiving something like that. So figuring out how schools or figuring out which schools will be most generous with financial aid for your student is step number three, and it's extremely important. Step number four is the out-of-pocket cost of each institution. 
So we have an idea of what we feel the financial aid package will be that you'll get in your award letter. You negotiate that down and then you come to the out-of-pocket cost that it's actually going to cost you to attend that university or your child to attend that university over a four-year period. So let's just say you have five universities on your list and you have a really good idea of the financial aid you're going to receive from each of those. You have a really good understanding of what your expected family contribution is depending on which profile you have to fill out, whether that's FAFSA, the CSS, or something else. And you can get a really good idea of what your out-of-pocket cost is going to be. And now that you know what your out-of-pocket cost is going to be to attend that university or for your child to attend that university, and you already have an idea of what you've self-pre-approved yourself for, you get a really good idea of what difference between those two numbers are going to be. And that gives you a really good idea of the true difference in cost of attending a university compared to another. So let's just say you have $50,000 you're willing to spend on college for this student. Some colleges are going to cost $40,000. Some costs, some are going to cost eighty. dollars Some are going to cost $200,000 over the course of four years to attend. Well, now you get a really good idea of being able to determine, is it worth paying that extra cost for your student to attend a specific university compared to another? And that's where we get to step number five, the college funding gap in the resulting student loans. So if you have one university where over four years, it's going to be $10,000 of student loan debt your child's going to have to take out compared to $180,000 of student loan debt they're going to have to take out at another university. Is $170,000 worth of student loan debt really worth it to attend one university over another? Is the return on that education at that more expensive university actually worth it compared to other universities that won't cost as much? And then you can get a really good idea of what the student loan payment could potentially be at the end of that college career for that child. And you can have a really good discussion and say, hey, if you intend University A, your student loan payment over the next 10 years could be about $80 a month. If you attend University B, your student loan payment could be $2,100 a month for the next 10 years. And then you can start talking about the opportunity costs of carrying that debt and having to make those loan payments. And is that future really worth attending one university over another? And for a lot of families who do really good college planning like this, the answer is almost always no, because the return on education at universities is not big enough to make those big increases in student loan debt and the big increases in the college funding gap worth it for those families. So again, as a recap, one, figure out what your expected family contribution is. What do people expect you to be able to afford when it comes to college? Two, how much can you actually afford? Create a budget for yourself and basically pre-approve yourself for a specific amount. Three, figure out which universities are going to provide the best and most generous type of financial aid for your specific student because it's unique everywhere you go. Four, figure out what the actual true out-of-pocket cost is for each institution. Apples to apples comparison, what's it going to cost you to attend a university compared to another based off of what you know about their financial aid package and based off of what you know they're going to expect you to be able to afford to pay toward that college education. And then five, look at that funding gap and figure out what student loans are going to cost over the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years for your student in order to fill that funding gap. And then ask yourself, is it worth it? Is the return on education worth it? compared to the information you have sitting in front of you based off of the good planning you've done up to that point. So that's just a quick and dirty college planning 
five-step process anybody can use. Again, it gets really confusing and it gets really complex. So if you're looking for help with doing something like this, this is something as far as a service offering that we offer to our clients at FarmD Financial Planning. So if this is something that interests you, make sure to reach out, have an introductory call, and we could talk more about what this process might look like. Until then, FarmD Nation, happy planning. The FarmD Money Podcast is not intended to be tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or investment advice.